Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accent. Oh! You sure are! Wow, that was gorgeous. Gorgeous! That was pretty good. Welcome to the show, Stephen Ray Morris. Hi! Oh my god. Our favorite person in the world. (laughs) Our Cat partner in crime. I know. Oh, I've got. You're... I've got one lane. I got a loaf lane next to me right now. Ah, oh, she's perfect. Her. I love her so much. Ray's behind me too. The only thing behind me is a cloud of um, menstrual farts that I've just been <laughs> filling <laughs> my office with. And let's just say I can taste what I had for lunch today. Fucking gross. It's growing sentient. It's sentient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a sentient cloud. Something's happening down there. <laughs> so, uh. Holy shit. That yeah. was gross. Means you're alive. Yeah. You're living. I, yeah. If you could taste it, you're living. Your biomes are in my full working order. They're working too hard. <laughs> like, too they're slow too down. healthy. It's not. Th- whatever, th- whatever this is, it's not healthy. Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. Oh, I am so excited to have Steven back on our show. You Me joined too, us man. for uh, Cat Crimes, it which has was been a, a while ago. Oh. Was that 2019, 2018? Either 2018 or 2019. I think it was before the pandemic. <sighs> oh. oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, another a lifetime ago. Yeah, a lifetime ago. <laughs> we've grown. We've lived. We've loved. We farted. We farted. Who are you as a person now on the other side? Oh, like, what are you like doing? Question. <laughs> fully Projects? transformed into my cat. That's yeah. basically it. I am Penny Lane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like one of those like horrible sketches where it's just my cat's face with my mouth, like you know. It's cut like an out. animorphs. Like yeah. The, oh yeah. Like fully. the third stage of animorphs. <laughs> I, feel, I honestly feel like we've lived so through rough. the Andalite War, whatever, whatever we was going on in those we, books. <laughs> Yeah, up as we've a kid. lived through the one where they're ants and they have like no free will and then <gasps> they have to like drown themselves or something crazy. Yes, it's, oh it's my a gosh. really disturbing scene. Oh yeah. I didn't get that far into the series. Oh, it got dark. It got really dark. Especially <laughs> really like dark. the animal urges taking over and like they're fighting themselves. Uh, and then like I've, their parents got it, it, like invaded by the Yerks. Okay. I, yep. I oh my much. God. No, yep. I need to know more about that. Well, Amanda just read the whole series Almost. recently. I read, right. I read a lot of them. I didn't finish it. There's like 67 or 68 books in the yeah. series. It's all it's a commitment. So it reading it on one chapter at a time is a lot. Yeah. Wow. Well, Stephen, do you want to introduce yourself quick? Give you yourself a little quick bio? <laughs> Your spiel. Ooh, my bio. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, uh, he doesn't even Steve. go here. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> hi, 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 class. I, I am the new kid in school. Uh, <laughs> no, um, Steve Ray Morris, uh, my favorite murder, audio engineer, you know, mm-hmm. editor, all that good stuff. Exactly right. Uh, 
per is cast, the obviously. Steven that they're always <laughs> yes. complaining about. <laughs> People yes. yelling He's, my name. Uh, Steven and, inspired John. Steven walked so John could run. Oh, yes. I'm so proud. <laughs> we we oh, have a Steven, too. I love too, you, John. And, and it's yeah, John. Yeah. John is our Steven. Oh, my God. Pour one out. He needs a raise. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, podcast co-host as well. Um, I also do a Jurassic Park podcast, see Jurassic yes. Right. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all oh, I do. Podcasting you're all over the fucking place. That's plenty. You do plenty. <laughs> um, also a cat dad to yes. Penny Lane, the Who's one here? and only. She's she ignoring oh, us right now. She's snoozing she behind you, and she's so <laughs> precious. Little orange marmalade. Oh, she is. She's my little creamsicle. My little fifty-fifty bar. Oh, oh my God! God. Stop. Get out! I love her. Look at her. Oh, she's so oh, cute. Okay, she's anyway. tilting her head upside down. We're not going to be able to get through this episode. She's so too all cute. listeners can tell why Stephen and I are fucking soulmates. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Lucy, and I'm Amanda, and, and you know us. There we're we here. go. And yep. today we have a very special fan pick that Steven was kind enough to join us for. Mm-hmm. Um, this fan picker was Lily Cox. Hi, Thank Lily. You, Lily. And Lily's request was Autumn Crimes. Tis the season for autumnal merriment or, or mischief, sadness, <laughs> gore, gore, crime. Yeah, you're not you're not flying. You're falling. That's oh no, we we're, are we're falling. falling. We will yep. get to the fall. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, let's go on and get started. Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for autumn crimes? Well, spoiler alert, not wine. Our lovely fan picker, Lily Cox, requested journeyman old country goodness whiskey. <laughs> Sounds Woof. fabulous. Yeah, but I didn't want to barf. So... I'm shouting out that request. I am acknowledging that you have requested that, and I am formally <laughs> denying that request. I mean, there, I am, there is a caveat in the yeah. fan picker request thing. I'm not. I'm not putting myself through that. Oh my gosh, Penny, Penny Lane is licking her butthole. Li- I love this. Her this is a really great time to join our Patreon. Because <laughs> at five dollars or more a month, you can see this on video. Penny Lane's got her leg right up in the she air. She is flexible. She is having a fall harvest festival in her own ass right now, and it is <laughs> She is stunning. bobbing for apples. She works hard for she's, that money. That's what all I'm saying. She's bobbing. Respect. Yep, she is working on an OnlyFans uh, routine. All right, all right, now we're gonna, now she's like, now she knows she's caught. Oh, yep, scritch, scritch your face. God yep. bless her. Gotta clean Show up. Show the goodies. You Show clean up. the goodies. Show it all, Penny Lane. <laughs> Oh, she is. That's Ooh, cat. That's there cat she vagina is. right there. Yep. I, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yep. Now lick your foot. Wow. Sign okay. up for her Patreon. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do great. We're doing great. So, like I said, I didn't want to barf. I can't I can't do whiskey. Like, that's a Kenyan thing. Whiskey can do, or Kenyan can do, like, whiskey and bourbon. Bourbon. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And, I mean, Kenyan has has not been doing that, obviously. She's extraordinarily <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> And as of this recording, baby is not here yet, but we can get uh, Kenyon into some whiskey in like a week. That so bitch we're... better pop soon. Oh, I want her to pop tomorrow on my birthday. Mm-hmm. But she as, soon as, as soon as she has the baby, you're just like, here's a flask. Seriously. Yeah, you deserve That's that. That's how Amanda's yeah. sister did it. Yep. They had Jameson <laughs> nips in the delivery room. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. For, I come from a special breed of human. 
So what I'm actually drinking is hot apple cider with a shot of fireball in it, which is like one of my favorite fall cold weather bevies. And then when snow hits the ground, that's when I like putting like rum chata in coffee. Mm. Mm. But right now I have a very slim window of, of, of fall in Minnesota to do apple cider and fireball. So that's what I'm drinking. What's everybody else drinking? Steven? Well, I'm not drinking anything. Well, okay. So, I mean, I just have coffee, but I yep. will take a whiff of this hand sanitizer to be like. Nice. There's <laughs> alcohol in there. There we go. Yep. I'm a little drunk right now. Good for well, you. I am currently drinking water, but I just made a HelloFresh meal in record timing right before Yum. we fin- right before we started this episode. And I was having a little bit of wine before Free then. Plug. So I'm going to make one after this episode. A little pre-party. A little pre-party action. I love it. Well, should we get to it then? And uh, Lucy, take it away with your background and maybe psych for yes. autumn crimes. Oh, yes. Shaking those bones? Uh, actually, there is a little bit of psych, so okay. I can't shake the bones this All right, time. put it back. Put it back. But I do have just a huge list of fun fall facts for us. Love. So apparently we only call it fall in America the season mm. was originally just called Harvest and Autumn. I don't uh, like calling a season Harvest. That's <laughs> odd to me. I Actually, don't like that. I did copy and paste this from one of my sources, which are cited, and the punctuation's not great. So what I meant mm. to say was the season was originally just called Harvest, comma, and Autumn came around much later in the 1300s. When okay. English poets started using the phrase the fall of leaves, it became very fashionable to call the season fall. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, uh, I mean, like poetry and literature was sort of like the pop culture of the time. So right. people started calling it fall around then. Also, beginning in the 1600s, more people were moving from farms to urban areas, so not as many people were literally harvesting. Mm -hmm. Mm. By the mid-1800s, after the split of the colonies from England led to a language change and, like, spelling change, like color. (laughs) Can you imagine growing up in a time when hashtag trends were just, we're not calling it harvest anymore, we're calling it autumn? Yeah. And now hashtag trends are like eating a Tide Pod. And those (laughs) trends took a hundred years to circulate and like take root. (laughs) Yeah, we don't got time for that anymore. Yeah. Because like, was there even a printing press then? I don't know. I can't. (laughs) So England then reverted back to autumn and the American upstarts retained fall. Uh Mm -hmm. Next fact, pumpkin pie spice doesn't taste anything like actual pumpkin. There isn't any real pumpkin flavor in it because actual pumpkin tastes like shit. (laughs) (laughs) So So you mean like the spice used in pumpkin pie or like pumpkin spice lattes? So pumpkin, all of it. Pumpkin spice is really just the shit they added to pies. So it's like cinnamon, nutmeg. Okay, so it's the spices that you would use in a pumpkin dish. It's not any pumpkin because pumpkin's gross. Correct. <laughs> Got it. That makes yep. a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> that, mean, that totally tracks. Yeah, yeah. Have you that tasted really does. pumpkin? I have. I it's have. It's not great. It's well, not yeah. that good. I've ha- I, there is a, uh, this isn't a Trader Joe's plug, but they do have pretty good pumpkin soup. But again, it's probably mm-hmm. just 
the spices that are in it. It's, it's probably seasoned. not even. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the seasoning. It's not I the do, pumpkin itself. When I carve a pumpkin, I do like to roast the seeds and then like salt and cinnamon drizzle Ooh. them. That's and you really eat good. it. Yeah, like oh. roasted pumpkin seeds are a really I yummy love pumpkin snack. seeds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the best part. I don't actually like pulling the thing out. No, the I don't snot. like the way. The guts. Oh, that's the only good part. No, it's how about I pull? I'll pull your guts. You eat the seeds. Okay, because we have very different. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're licking her asshole again. She's she needs to get clean. She's hungry. (laughs) It's bath time before dinner. (laughs) She's doing it. (laughs) That's she's licking her leg. That's just her leg. Uh, This is like this is like an old peep show from when the time from. Ooh, it's the lady of the fall. Just, <laughs> nobody can oh, he, nobody can see we'll, that, but I'm swiveling over, revealing yeah, her. Steven's trying to give her some modesty time, some privacy. We will get to the lady of the fall. Actually, I'll get to it right now. Let me Legends of the fall? Down. I hope I put this on here. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, maybe I didn't. Okay, so from memory, the Greek origins of, like, autumn and fall, it was Persephone who was the daughter of the goddess of the harvest. Mm -hmm. And like the devil snatched her Mm. and her mother was like, fuck you. I'm going to make all the crops die until you give my daughter back. Okay. So that was like the, the origins of like the seasons of fall, according to Greek mythology. Got it. Mm-hmm. It just shows how bored everyone was. They were just Seriously. like, why is this Beyond. stuff happening? They look up in the sky and they're like, oh, it's just, this is just a reality show drama happening yep. up in the stars, basically. It's Real Housewives <laughs> girls trip, yes. but in the sky. Uh-huh. I will say this, though, and I don't, I think I've mentioned this before in episodes, not that I expect Stephen to know this, but <laughs> when Amanda and Scott and I went to go see the solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I I think all three of us were fucking overcome with right. like, oh my god, nature is fucking crazy. Even yeah, though we, we were knew like, oh. like logically what was going on, to yeah. think about people like prehistorically or just pre science te- technologically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To see this, what's happening, everything that's happening on the planet, like with all the light and the dark and the birds and the cold wind and the ugh, mm-hmm. like I'd fucking lose my mind. Yeah, we were lose like, oh, now I get why people like worshipped Invented gods. religion. Yeah, and invented religion. Because how the fuck else could you explain an experience like this without science? It's oh, I'm horny for nature all the time. I got yes. it. I, I was in Atlanta. I saw whale sharks for the first time. I started crying. It was great. Yes. Whale, whale sharks? sharks? So the fucking spotted cool. ones? Yeah, because they're, the, they're the, the only places in captivity are Atlanta and Osaka, Japan. Mm-hmm. Are whale sharks. So it was like a total like lifetime achievement unlocked. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I'm all about it. I'm all like, yeah, like seeing an eclipse. Oh. Beautiful. Nature it's, it all about is, it. it's too much. Mm-hmm. She's Speaking- a bit much. She's over the top. <laughs> Speaking of nature, more babies are conceived in the fall and winter than the spring and summer. Yeah, we're trying to. It's too hot to fuck once spring comes. Not even. This no, might thank be you. because testosterone levels in both men and women ramps up in the fall, therefore huh. making us hornier. No, it's just too hot. <laughs> I thought it was all the fireplaces with the shag rug on the front. front <laughs> that too. Well, actually, like the mood. Some of yeah. their theories are that this is. 
like developed in prehistoric times where we could like spend the winter with somebody else Mm -hmm. to keep us warm. So Mm -hmm. you're not wrong. (laughs) That's all we're good for. Yep. Just just a body to keep warm. I need a warm man. Yeah. (laughs) To survive the winter in my cave. (laughs) Women are doing all the fucking work. Get out. (laughs) The least you could do is provide warmth. Yeah. Right. There are more than 7,500 varieties of apples with about 2,500 types grown in the U.S. alone. That's too many apples. Why do we need that many varieties of apple? I don't even like apples. They're not I'm that great. I'm glad you said that because I'm I, apples are they're fine. They're like, fucking overrated. Yeah, they're a little. They're a little, they've had the stage for too long. Let's yep. get. I'm trying to think what fruit should be in there. You know what's way better than an apple? A pear. Pears yeah. are so fucking good, and they're easier to eat. They yes, peaches are delicious. Pears also the skin don't doesn't like stay in your mouth for a hundred years, unchewable like an apple skin does. I can't I don't even like eat green mouth, apples. I don't like the mouthfeel of a pear. It's too oh, mushy. It's I like a it. it's like a bad apple. Mm, no, it's delicious. <laughs> it's fermented. It's alcoholic at that point. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, why don't you put it like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they that's how they theorize that like how uh, how our ancestors first started getting drunk was that there'd be like uh different like mangoes or things like left in the sun and they started mm-hmm. fermenting and getting alcoholic or mm-hmm. alcoholic. They started, you know, fermenting alcohol and then we the you know, our chimp uh, ancestors were like, "Whoa, this is crazy." I love it. it party. <laughs> yeah. You're like eating those rotten fruit. You get wasted. (laughs) Well, like animals get drunk off of different fruits, like old apples and shit. I love the drunk squirrel videos when squirrels get into like fermented pears and shit. I love it. Fermented crab apples. Oh, Mm. so good. So the full moon in the fall that occurs during the equinox is much brighter. Chevy equinox. It's almost an orange and it sometimes rises much earlier than a typical full moon. So, like, we're more likely to, like, recall a harvest moon than whatever mm-hmm. the fuck the spring equinox moon is. Whatever. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo, spring equinox. Boo. So this occurs in September or October and was very helpful for farmers who use that bright moonlight to help harvest their crops, like, mm. after the sun went down, which is kind of why it's called a harvest moon. Mm. Bobbing for apples was actually a British courting ritual. Ugh, and torture <laughs> method. Girl, watch this. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Look what I can do. I mean, Girl, look, if you can't actually this. holding your breath with an apple in your mouth, not to be crass, but that actually might be a good indicator. Well, you know exactly, I mean? especially skill. because it was the girls bobbing and not the boys. Oh, okay. Oh. So, I was thinking it was the men who was doing I mean, either way, I guess you're good was, to go. Yeah, either way, you want to fit it all in your mouth. It's like, oh, yeah, she sucks. <laughs> she sucks <laughs> and fucks. She real sucks. <laughs> so this old-fashioned Halloween party game originally started as a British courting ritual. Men I were love, a- like... In that episode of The Office where they're at, they're doing the office Halloween party and Aaron Hannon eats an entire apple under the water. And it's like, uh. I, ate, I did it. I ate three apples. So they're like, you've been down there for a long time. Like, That's I forgot not how you play the game. That. Oh my That's God. not how that works. I did it. I ate three apples. <laughs> I would Damn. be so terrified. I would like leave that <laughs> Halloween party. Can oh, you imagine yeah. eating an apple underwater? No. <laughs> How fucking gross and amazing. So gross. 
So the men were assigned an apple, and the women would try to bob for that particular apple oh. that she thought that, like, belonging to the guy she thought was hot. That's and it, fucking And if stupid. she was I successful, it. it was taken as an omen that they were meant to be together. So if like, she was successful, she legally belonged to him from that <laughs> point forth. Kind of, yeah. Forth. I feel like the whole rest of the commune would be like, oh, yes, you are meant to be together. Go, you're married now. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it was that easy. Yeah. Nowadays, you got to get a marriage license. You have to get a registered officiant. You <laughs> got to get blah. so many hoops before you could like just the... grab an apple out of a barrel and boom, you married. To like <laughs> the other person, treat them like a human being. Oh, yeah, God. it's so annoying. I marry you. I marry you. I marry you. The worst thing that ever happened to society was like, you know, in Western society is like women Men. not being property anymore. <laughs> really a bummer. We should go back. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's the family structure. It's the nuclear unit. Sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm. So fall is basically synonymous with pumpkins. But have you ever wondered why we're so obsessed with these gourds, these pumpkins? These gorgeous gourds? Yeah, because they have a big (laughs) booty and a tiny waist. They're kind of expensive. We decorate them. We carve them. We kind of eat them, but mostly just decorate with them. And apparently, it has nothing to do with the taste of the pumpkin itself, which Mm. we kind of went through with the pumpkin spice thing because they don't taste that great. Mm -mm. Studies have shown that what we really love about pumpkins is the sense of nostalgia that they make us feel. Totally. Pumpkins represent farm life and tradition, Mm. which is a romantic idea for many Americans that we're very attached to. So basically, we just like the idea of pumpkins. I would argue the pop of color. Yeah, that's not the nostalgia it triggers for me. For me, it triggers the the nostalgia of like being a kid around Halloween, not farm life. Well, I think it could all fall under the same category. Yeah, simpler simpler times or whatever. I think that's why the turnips didn't last, you know, because like every few years, BuzzFeed or whoever will bust out the like turnip jack-o'-lanterns and you're just like, like they're almost horrifying. Amazing. though. I'm like, I want to carve a turnip this year, to be honest. (laughs) We've talked a lot about the turnip. Ugh. jack-o'-lanterns and we've never done it we've always wanted to do it let's we've do never it we've never done it let's do it can, can we buy a turnip at the grocery store absolutely this might be the year i think you can also do it with like beets and radishes and potatoes and shit too buy all the garnishes it's all the same we'll do a zoom craft night <gasps> yes yeah. oh my gosh only the creepiest faces win. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. And we'll the- we'll get a room full of children to be the judge, and the one that the children is the most scared of wins. <laughs> the top trophy goes to the, the one who gives the child the worst the most nightmares. nightmares. <laughs> it's a Monsters, Inc. situation. We're going to really- I love it. Collect their screams. I'm so- this is happening. This is I'm fucking happening. I'm so here for Collect the <laughs> screams. You fucking weirdo. Okay. Watch Monsters, Inc. I didn't come up with that concept. <laughs> okay. Research, <laughs> has, research has shown that people born in the fall, so like September through, I Me. think they lasted it through December, mm-hmm. but it's at least September through uh, November. Are the most amazing? Listen. You're listen. really vamping it up. I'm not, I'm I don't want your ego to get t- 
too full because I'm about to give you a bunch of compliments in a row. I don't want your Wait, lap. when's your birthday again, Amanda? September tomorrow. September oh my 30th. gosh. Well, happy early birthday. When's your yeah. birthday, Steven? I'm a spring baby, April 17th. Boo. Hey, but my well. birthday was on Easter this year, so that's like... So you had to share I don't know it with I'm some crazy Jesus and zombie Jesus. Yeah, zombie Jesus and the and the bunny and I. My birthday is going to be on Easter every every ten years plus one from now on. Ooh, basically, crazy. it's like a weird prime he number thing. He is risen. Yeah, <laughs> zombie Jesus. Well, lucky you. Anyway, back to back to well, back to me. All birthdays, not to inflate Amanda's ego, but good luck. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Research has shown that people born in the fall are more likely to live to 100 years old. Oh, my God. Not that you want that. I super don't want that, but okay. And no, it's not just a coincidence. Studies have shown that the month you're born in can influence the environment you develop in both inside and outside the womb. Hmm. That environment can do everything from affecting your behavior to your overall health. The prevailing theory is that this is because of seasonal infections having a lasting af- impact on health. Hot. So, so while my mom was pregnant, she avoided like flu season and stuff. Well, no, it's because after you were born outside of the womb, you're l- less likely to have these. Hmm. It made sense when I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, this tracks. I I'll take the compliment. I'm gonna live to be a hundred. Next, I think the I think the primary factor was that like t- different infections develop more during the hotter months, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah, they yeah. kind of taper off as winter comes around. So like, got it. When you're old enough to be really like outside in the world, unprotected, mm-hmm. it's gonna be like winter, spring. Rather than summer, fall. Okay. Is that if that makes sense? Sure. Also, children who are born in the fall tend to do better in school. Well, that isn't true for me. <laughs> doesn't yeah. track. Doesn't track for this that's audience. The longest but that's okay. Ever. Well, that this isn't also, true. <laughs> this next one also doesn't track with present company. Children born in the fall are more likely to become athletes. <laughs> okay. And they think this is because the mother, when pregnant, likely had a lot more exposure to the sun, which helped her body produce more vitamin D, which helped her give the kids stronger bones. And that also made it more likely for kids to be, for kids born in the fall to be taller. Hmm. Which also doesn't fall under your umbrella. No, my sister was also born in the fall. She was born in November and she's pretty tall. And she's an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. She played hockey. <laughs> she did play hockey for a long time, and she did, like, run a marathon within the last five years because she's an insane <laughs> person. What a psychopath. <laughs> I know. I don't fucking get why. Or it might have been a half marathon. It's probably a half marathon. Either she's, way. She's going to be texting me right now yelling at me for misrepresenting her incredible achievements to na- <laughs> an international audience. But I'm sorry. Love you. Nothing I ra- you can do about it. Bye. I, I ran a 5K 10 years ago, and I'm still talking about Never it. Never again. Never again. Never. Are you kidding me? It was no. awful. Yeah. Mm-mm. Lesson learned. Mm. Yep. At what cost? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, all of this is great, but also children born in the fall are about 30% more likely to develop asthma. Okay, well, didn't get that. Did get diabetes, though. Mm-hmm. Which is the asthma of the pancreas, yes. I've heard. Pancreatic asthma. <laughs> oh, interesting. 
That's I made that up. Yeah. I mean, my sister was born. She she was September twentieth. I guess that counts, still counts as summer, though, right? What? No, no September September through November. I think that's fall, baby. Fall. I guess yeah. Back to school. Yeah, yep, she's right at the cutoff. Fall. She has she has uh, asthma. So well, yeah. meteor meteorologically, <laughs> Libras are the best. No, meteorologically, scientifically, fall oh. starts on September 1st. Oh. But what about astrologically? Well, like weather-wise, which I guess would be meteorology, but the first official day of fall is like September 23rd, 24th-ish, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. But yeah. And also climate change is really fucking us up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was like 100, it's 100 degrees right now in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any statement I'm making can't last more than 60 days. 60 days, because uh, we're, we're, go gonna... we're going downhill fast. Yeah. yeah. All this fall stuff makes sense. I mean, I, I was the spring baby, but my mom, my sister, and my dad are all children of the fall. Uh, uh, Virgo, Vir <laughs> Virgo, Libra, Scorpio. That's mm -hmm. sister, dad, mom. So, oh, yeah, you have a very harvest-heavy family. Yeah, and then me out here being like, oh, no, I'm hanging out with Jesus. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> My birthday's on Easter. I don't have asthma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> I don't need glasses, but the rest of, well, I probably do need glasses now. But the rest of them have had glasses. My sister had glasses, like, her whole life, so. You're bragging to the wrong crowd, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's getting, I, I printed out my notes today. It's getting bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sir. It's going to get bad. Your glasses. So do you know why leaves in the fall turn yellow and orange? Probably something to do with fucking photosynthesis or some shit. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying up here. Mm, Kinda. I'm dying up here. <laughs> During the spring and summer, chlorophyll in the leaves absorb the sunshine, water, and carbon dioxide from the air and make it into carbohydrates like sugars and starch to feed the tree. Mm -hmm. During this time, the leaves also contain carotenes and xanthophyll. Which are the yellow and the orange pigments, mm. but they're they're kind of overshadowed by the green of the chlorophyll. So these leaves have these colors in them year round, but the green mm. just takes over. So we just see green leaves. Yep. But in the fall, because of changes in the length of daylight and changes in the temperature, the leaves stop their food making process, which AKA photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. The chlorophyll then breaks down, the green color disappears, and the yellow to orange colors become visible and give leaves part of their fall splendor. Oh, that's fucking cool. Leaf peeping season, baby. We'll get to the leaf peeping. I've never seen that. I've never seen that happen before growing up on it's, the West Coast. The, yeah. the leaves oh changing God, and all that right. stuff. That's Why weird. do you live there? That's weird. <laughs> I mean... It's. I, I, I know why I'm you a, live there. I'm a big surfer. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You like to pump iron on Venice Beach. Exactly. <laughs> and oil uh, yourself. Yeah. The San Andreas Fault is going to slip any minute. So I know. I, I but I love earthquakes, though. I Not mean, I don't that love kind them. Of earthquake. <laughs> You're going to be dead in that kind of earthquake. <laughs> I mean, she I totally want to move out. to LA eventually, so I get oh, it, and God. I'm with you. But Lucy is terrified of it. If I visit the West Coast, She's I like, have anxiety about the San Andreas Fault. Mm -hmm. I, well, I realize what it, it's Stockholm Syndrome. I think most people who grew up in Southern California or, or just California in general, we love earthquakes because we're like, well, we have to deal with them. 
sort of thing. So like, I'm like, whenever there's an earthquake, like even at like three, like five in the morning, it's like earthquake to Twitter. Who's up right now? Like <laughs> me and Chrissy Twitter. Teigen, we're up. Let's talk oh. about earthquake. You know, like, <laughs> and then people who like move to LA from other places who are sensible, reasonable people are like, why are you guys, you're having too much fun right now. This is not discovery zone. Like this is not. Yeah. yeah. That's like Minnesota with um, tornadoes. Tornado it's also Twitter. like Florida with hurricanes. I've been yeah. reading yeah. a lot of like Florida hurricane social media shit. And everyone who doesn't live there is like, oh, my God, are you OK? Please check in. And everyone who does live there is like, yeah, we're drinking Bacardi. Yeah, there was a <laughs> news broadcast from like the Gulf, not not the Gulf Coast, the other the coast where the thing is fucking Ian's coming. Anyway, I know where places are. But anyway, they're like on this pier like over the ocean and it, the the rain is like sideways and there's debris flying everywhere and there's just Florida man shirtless on a bicycle just biking down the pier. Yes. Okay, so that video is in Key West at the most the southernmost point by that buoy. Yeah. That like red and black striped buoy. Yeah. It's like the Key West like mm-hmm. So it might not be place. as like severe right there or something, but it's just no, such that's a- that's like where it's the worst. It's not. <laughs> so I'm just like so okay, fucking dumb. But you know, we laugh, and then it's like okay, but we're in in Minnesota and a lot of Midwestern states. It's like you're outside with your phone recording the funnel. That's like of a tornado that's like coming at you or the like green rec- sky or the green sky or like recording the golf the, you know the golf ball size hail and it's like okay idiot anyone in any other state that doesn't experience this kind of weather would be like what the fuck go inside yeah. so yeah. i do we, every it's like their own local earthquakes are your hurricane or yeah tornado. yeah 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 gotta have fun somehow you know yeah, if we I don't laugh, feel like we cry. When yeah. that fault slips, it's going to be a mammoth tidal wave tsunami situation. And that's what freaks me out. That's how I learned. That's why I learned how to surf. <laughs> You're really pushing CNN surfing. Is like, like, Here comes the wave. Who's that? Oh my God, it's Steven. Oh, <laughs> it's Steven Ramoros. Penny's like on the front of the surfboard. I got the GoPro out. It's great. <laughs> Penny laying on the back in a little life vest. Oh, she has a little life jacket. That would be so cute. You need to get that cat a life jacket for for the impending tsunami. My earthquake kit, water, beans. Life jacket for Penny. Life jacket for Penny. Yep. A samurai sword. (laughs) Your birth certificates in a Ziploc. Of course. Your COVID (laughs) vaccination card. Yes. That it was such a big deal, and now nobody asks for it anymore because the pandemic is "quote unquote" over. Okay, God. Okay, <laughs> I I'm have fine. more information about how leaves change colors, though. <gasps> okay. Okay. Fall splendor. At the same time, other chemical changes may occur, which form additional colors through the development of red anthocyanin pigments. Ooh, that sounds like poison. Poison. Some mixtures give rise to the reddish and purplish fall colors of trees, such as dogwoods and sumacs, while others give the sugar maple its brilliant orange. So it's kind of dependent on how much sugar is still in the veins of the tree, which are in the leaves. If it's like super high in sugar, it's going to be that really bright orange, like the Mm. like the maple tree. Mm hmm. The autumn foliage of some trees show only yellow colors. Others, like many oaks, display mostly browns. 
All of these colors are due to the mixing of various amounts of the chlorophyll residue and other pigments in the leaf during the fall season. And then what makes it fall off, at some point, there's like a hormone. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> that caught me this off is, guard. <laughs> this is important to some people. Pay attention. There will be a quiz. <laughs> I just, the, Steven, the pun you're was just so rich. Class. It was too rich. It was good. <laughs> it was as sweet as maple syrup. Maple syrup, the sugar, it's it's very orange. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, there's like a hormone that's released that develops like a cell cluster at the base of the stem of the leaf that makes it break off from the tree and fall. and oh, fall. That fly is back. The fucking fly. Some of these coloring chemicals are also what give egg yolks their yellow color and carrots their orange color. It's the same oh. sort of like c- color coloring chemicals. Which gave my grandma that orange color because she ate too many carrots. That I was ask, happen. is that really real? Is that it's actually really real? super real. Yep. My grandmother, the whites of her eyes and like her fingernails and like mm-hmm. a little bit of her skin started to turn orange because <gasps> she was eating like four to five bags of baby carrots a day. She's like yeah. that's all she ate. Like that's no. Super real. No diversified diet. So she got like a quote unquote vitamin A poisoning. Oh my God. Poison. Poison. <laughs> Helen was a special lady. See, I've thought about doing that of like, oh man, those baby carrots are delicious. Maybe that'll just be like a permanent part of my don't go to ham on it though, I guess. I mean, if you're going to go that ham, eat other things. Eat this is ham. really what it is. <laughs> eat ham. My grandmother was not getting like any protein, any other. Any grains, not a not a lick. My dad worked with a woman at one time who like went vegan, but she really only ate carrots and she mm-hmm. turned orange. Yep. <laughs> yep. Gotta watch it. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch it. So most conifer trees, so these are like pines, spruces, firs, cedars, the ones with the needles. Mm-hmm. are evergreen, which means they don't turn colors because the needles themselves are covered in a thick wax that prevents those needles from freezing. Mm. So it kind of prevents that that process from happening. Stopping of okay. the chlorophyll. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why they're called evergreen. Yeah. Because they're I thought it was just always they green. put it out whenever they wanted and then you couldn't tell when it was actually recorded. I that thought that's what it was. <laughs> Got right. it. All right. Tricky. Okay. All right. All right. Industry joke. <laughs> Love, loves me some evergreen content. Mm-hmm. A gallon of apple cider requires the juice of 36 apples. That's a lot of apples, but it's we too make many. so well make we grow so fucking many of them in the U.S. that I'm not worried about it. So it's one fact, it's. one fact that I didn't put in here, I think I'm remembering this accurately, but like, don't at me, is that the state of Washington, which produces a shit ton of apples every year, in 2019 produced like 136 million boxes Jeez. of apples. That's too much. And it like a box like, of what apples. Are you there has to be like to that's a lot of 30, cording going on. Thirty <laughs> right? apples in each box. Yeah, too much. Why? Who Why is do we eating? need that? Who right? is eating these? Well, if we're drinking, I mean, think about if apple cider takes yeah. that a gallon app of apple cider takes that many apples. Think of like apple juice. It's a lot of Martinelli's being. <laughs> yeah, that's a I highly consumed Martinelli's. Yeah, those that is really good apple juice. Fuck that's good me shit. up. I yeah. fucking love Martinelli's. Okay, 
Uh, Corey calls apple juice a juice, which is really gross. <laughs> Anus juice. <laughs> Don't love it. Sebum. Okay. Ugh. When we fall behind in the fall for daylight saving time, the rate of heart attacks in the U.S. goes down for a while, specifically on the Monday after we fall back. Is that oh. where we gain an hour? Yeah, we fall back. Sleep? We gain an hour. Wow. goes That should be very fucking telling, telling. Of how much we need rest. Yeah. That was wow. kind of a sad fact for me. That was, that's a really sad fact. Mm-hmm. And then my last fact for us, apparently more than three and a half million tourists travel to Vermont every year to do some leaf peeping. Yep, they sure do. Which inspires a $460 million tourist influx every fall. Golly. It's a natural resource, these leaves, this this, uh, halting of the chlorophyll, the the photosynthesis process. The halting. Are there tour guides, or are you just kind of going like, wow, cool? You just go and look at trees. There probably probably are tours. (laughs) I mean, it could be fun, like a fun – again, I've I've never been to New England either, so I don't – like, I don't – I just would imagine – I feel like you'd get more out of it if you were, like, somebody's explaining this, you know, what happens with the leaves and, you know. You know, know, I'm from New England. I love where your head is at, by the way. I need the background info. Most no. people are just like, wow, that's that's a really pretty tree. I'll take yeah, a picture. I, you, you'd get sick of it pretty quick. I mean, it's how many times do I need to look at a fucking tree before <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, that's a great tree. Like, can Maybe I there's go some great about Instagram photo ops, you know? Uh-huh. Like, Probably, but Amanda, I don't know. Like wings made we- out of a leaf, you know? Oh, like the angel wings yeah, like yeah, painted on this, on like an alleyway, like <laughs> wall. I've, se- I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> Amanda, remember I'm when fine. we drove from Brooklyn to DC mm-hmm. in October ish? That was really incredible. Oh, it's actually stunning. It is. It's quite beautiful. And it's I, quite beautiful. I ran out of words. So at some point, I just kept shouting, Look at that fucker. <laughs> look at that fucker. <laughs> look at that look fucker. fuckers. Wait, I'm actually going to be in DC next week, next weekend. You Ooh, will catch some you'll, you'll catch some leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to ask my friend to just be like, Show me some leaves. Take me on a leaf tour. <laughs> let me peep. Maybe <laughs> don't say that. Scream, let me peep in their <laughs> <Yeah>. closed door. <laughs> Let me peep. See what happens. Yeah. I'm cruising for a peep. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, that is my- Are you done? Yes, that is my segment. (laughs) Thank God. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) All right, let's hear a real quick word from our sponsors, shall we? Okay, sounds great. (laughs) FrameBridge makes it easier than ever to custom frame everything that matters without ever leaving the house which means you can easily give a thoughtful gift this holiday season. I've been lucky enough to have a ton of incredible experiences with the people I love this past year, and I'd just like to do something special for each one of them. FrameBridge is the perfect way to frame what matters most to them. So whether it's a selfie with your best friend, their game-winning jersey, or a special anniversary dinner menu, consider framing it with FrameBridge. Give them a gift only you could give. Let me just say, I've given FrameBridge items as gifts like more and more every year and people love it. What's not to love? All these like special memories in a gorgeous frame and you're going to love it too because it is not overly expensive. I love it. So here's a reminder of just how it works. 
You just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo. Or if you have a physical piece of frame, like that jersey, they'll send you complimentary packaging to safely mail it in. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I would ship a newborn baby in this packaging. It's very sturdy. It's very trustworthy. You then preview your item in dozens of frame styles. You choose your favorite or you get free designer help. I've done both. I love their designer advice. Then the experts at FrameBridge custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece right to your door. And instead of paying hundreds at a framing store, FrameBridge starts at just $39 plus free shipping. That trustworthy shipping, people. Order online or stop by a FrameBridge store near you to work with a designer in person. So get started today, frame your photos, or give someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and place your order today and treat your walls. So we're supposed to go into the OBGYN once a year for our annual checkups and like, you know, check your undercarriage, figure out what's going on down there. You get know? weighed. Get, ugh, hate it. <laughs> but checking in with our fertility isn't really, it's like not a common thing until... Either you're ready to start cranking them out or you're like trying not to crank them out or, you know, it's like you you don't talk about your fertility regularly at those appointments with your OB. Why is that? I don't know. This is like why modern fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Then you mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Tell us more. Yes, modern fertility gives you so much information. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserves, like how many eggs you have compared to other people your age, and other important fertility factors. These results go deep into what every hormone means. Like I said, so much information. I was Mm -hmm. like intensely educated by my results. (laughs) Yeah. And you can also download those results to review with your doctor for next steps. Traditional testing can cost over 600 bucks, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals30, that's G-A-L-S-3-0, you can get 30 bucks off your test. Plus, you can get reimbursed for the test through your FSA or your HSA. So if you want kids today or maybe one day in the future or you're just curious, Mm-hmm. Clinically sound information about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Yes. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $30 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals30. This is a limited time offer for $30 off. That means your test will cost $169 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $30 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals30. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash gals30 and treat you knowledge. Treat it. Steven is going to be filling in for Kenyon this week, reading her probably deeply disturbing case and steven who claims they don't need glasses has printed out the oh, notes God. and we'll be reading them like a, an, a, a, a 60s it's newscaster size 18 font by the Is way that why you printed, 18. Them? <laughs> printed them out you're going to be reading them like a newscaster at the news desk and i yeah. am oh, living for it i love it so much this just in steven morris needs glasses oh no steven ray morris oh i'm so sorry Glasses are great. We all wear glasses. Join us. I mean, I wanted to wear glasses as a kid. I used to read in the dark on purpose to when I was like 
growing up. Like my parents would have to be like, would turn Just on the strain light. Strain your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Because I thought Kids it was cool. Are so weird. I mean, glasses are very cool. I still they're think so they're very chic. cool. They As are now, Kingsley but they Ken were Kingsley not cool when I started wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the all those Gen Z kids. They're all like wearing glasses and it's like normalizing stuff. <laughs> no shame, no yeah. embarrassment. Ugh. No bullying. Ridiculous. Enjoy your bully-free environment. Yeah. Grow up with no grit. Have fun. Freaks. <laughs> how do you even have, how are you going to be funny without having shame? I don't understand. Right? <laughs> Shame made me hilarious. How are you going to have any sort of like personal character without yeah. having been just mercilessly, mercilessly bullied in bullied. school? God. Kids these days, am I right? <laughs> anyway, after mercilessly bullying Stephen Ray Morris for printing out his notes, eh, take it away, my friend. I've gotten some character. I'm good. Okay. This is a very exciting story. It's okay. Well, I, I was... I wanted to set. Oh, I won't. Okay, I won't set it up or spoil anything. Do whatever you want. No, it's your. Okay. It's your show. Well, it's interesting because I was. Yeah, I was. I needed. Like, I needed to see this place, and it. I don't want to say. You know, Victorian house. It's it's a uh, it's a place in Staten Island called the Kreischer Mansion, Ooh. and it's a Queen Anne style home. It looks like the. It looks like an I- iconic Victorian house, which is like me saying iconic Victorian house because. I'm not an expert on the subject, but when you think of like a haunted house, this is mm-hmm. what it looks like, the Chrysler wow. Mansion. Like so, turrets and like a widow's walk and like detailed like railings and shit. Yes, detailed railings. You're yeah. like, where do I put my hand on this as I'm walking down the stairs? Maybe my petticoat will get caught in like <gasps> yeah. a, you know, a thing on the side. Yeah, I'm going to yes. put some photos of it on the drive while you're reading because like yeah, sharp, yeah, yeah. sharp angles against a dark gray foreboding this sky. This house is amazing. It's it's very cool. And, it, and you know, I, in my head, Victorian era, was it's like the modern era where we're like, oh my God, like old stuff is so cool. Like yeah. how we are now. Like Victorians were as nostalgic I think for the past, as we are nostalgic for the past. Like, do you in that think same if Victorians saw like a Rambler, a '50s Rambler style home, they would just like puke in their mouths after like <laughs> growing up in this opulent, you know, like a ranch style house? Yeah, like, yeah, Whoa. a split level. <laughs> Anything minimal would be gross. It'd be like, what do you? Are you living in a cave? Yeah. At that the point, the Victorians did do not support mid-century modern. They at would all. burn Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, at the stake. I, which sp- I appreciate as a maximalist. I do appreciate that. <laughs> you need spaces for the ghosts to hide. Like right. that's really. Yeah, I mean, this place literally windows <laughs> are like perfectly framed for like to like look over and then just see a ghost in a window. Like yeah, a that's, dead woman in a veil. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see it. I mean, You're I just describing my dream home. Yeah, it's freaking <laughs> gorgeous. You're like, what's the price on Zillow? Right. <laughs> oh, I am going to Zillow this mansion. Okay. It was built around 1885 by a German immigrant named Balthazar Kreischer for his son. And Balthazar, so, Jesus the, Christ. Tell me you're thing- haunted without telling me you're haunted. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. If you're named Balthazar, you're haunted immediately. This but is in, sorry, 18- Staten Island? Yeah, Staten Island. Okay. When it was last for sale, it was $7.4 million. It's, a, it's almost five acres of property. So, yeah, so that's the interesting part about this place is that essentially 
Balthazar was like, oh, I have two sons and I don't know which one is my favorite. So, um, <laughs> well, that, that went from German to like Midwestern or, uh, at the same time. It was perfect. Was uh, but, but essentially, so the only, the, the, the house that we're talking about today, the Kreischer Mansion, actually had a twin house. It because, did. I put because, a picture of that up. Because um, Balthazar built one for his son, Edward, and then his other son was named Charles, no longer stands, it burned down in the 30s. Wow. It's really creepy. There's a picture on the drive <gasps> of oh, it, the, in cool. black and white of it, like on this rolling hill with these two identical Victorian ha- It's very creepy. Wow. This is like Adam's family. It's yeah. like cartoonishly creepy. creepy. Yep. Yeah, it's very Beetlejuice a little bit mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Okay, so- and again, this is a different time, different, you know, your family is your business is your, you know, family. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, yeah. So the, the Chrysler Mansion originally had its twin and Edward and Charles and his and Balthazar and all the families all lived together um, on this property. Sounds um, awful. Okay. And... <laughs> It was basically, I mean, you just have enough people that are your family that are part of a town. You kind of eventually just take over the town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this actual, this area, it's in a Charleston neighborhood of Staten Island. They eventually just call this area Kreischerville because like, the family it, just took if, every other person is a, if every other person a is a Kreischer, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, we own this town. I don't know. Right. That's not how they talk. <laughs> Welcome to Kreischerville, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how they talk. <laughs> they also had a factory that was kind of the main source of business where all the family worked and everything. But eventually, you know, all good fortunes come to an end. Maybe people got creeped out that they all lived together in a giant compound. Mm-hmm. And the, for, you know, for, it's a few turn events that go bad, which is Balthazar, God rest his soul, passes away. The factory that they all worked at burns to the ground. And basically, Edward and Charles were like, no, we can we can fix this. But, um, you know, they kind of I mean, if you think about it, if your daddy's building you a house for both of your families, to, like both of you, like the my son, daddy would never. The, the, son, like, the sons <laughs> were never going to have enough gum. I, I don't think the sons probably had enough gumption to really. Right. Like now that daddy's gone. To it's survive like, on their own. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like if you're. They I mean, don't have transferable skills because they've been spoon fed the family wealth since they were born. Exactly. Yeah. In 1894. So this is only. This is not even 10 years later. Basically after building. So. Like when this, when they, when we say things turn, took a turn for worse, I mean, this was dramatically like, you know, house built, factory, you know, uh, the, the father dies only a couple years later, then the, um, the factory burns down. And just through all these losses, Edward Kreischer, the, the brother who, whose house is still standing today, mm-hmm. he shoots himself in the head at the brick factory after a dispute with several employees. Probably they were like, hey, can we get a raise? Maybe some nice working hours. There's things right. called unions. Yeah. He shoots himself. After Edward Chrysler dies, basically, you know, and again, I think indicative of this family where, you know, Charles is still around. And there's, again, plenty of, I'm sure, into very intelligent women. You know, I don't know what the situation was with their families, you know, what the mingling was like or anything, but mm-hmm. they couldn't keep the business. So by 1899, the brick factory had passed out of the Kreischer family's ownership and then eventually closed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So essentially, you know, because of World War One, the first German World War, mm-hmm. basically it's just like there was anti-German sentiment. So <laughs> Kreischerville was probably no longer called Kreischerville. Right. Um, and so be- when it started to be known as Charleston again, because mm-hmm. I was looking at pictures of it, it's like a house on the hill, basically, yeah. which is yeah. like all good haunted houses are. You don't, there's not a haunted house that's like, you know. In a like, valley. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you look up haunted house in a dictionary, it's this picture. It's yeah. on a hill. This is the original Lightning strike, haunted you know. house. Yeah. <laughs> so it's obviously going to be like rife for like neighborhood urban legend at this point. This family's gone through so much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So it seems like it was just a place that kind of became untouchable. So... You know, the house was bought and sold over the years, you know, just kind of passed around, nobody having it for very long. Staten Island residents who'd been inside the house reported hearing inexplicable scratching noises. No, thank oh, you. Scratching? It, like, just like, like, oh like, oh, like Why that is, is that so much worse than, like, a, a voice? Why is that so much fucking worse? Yeah. I think you killed Lucy. <laughs> You killed her! R.I.P. to a real one. You killed her! Oh my god! (laughs) I'm dead. Are you okay? Are you okay, Lucy? Did Steven get you? Yeah. Oh my god, the fly! And I just was tweeting about how, like, human beings that we can choke on our own spit seems like a bad... Like it's a, a, that's like a, a weird, design flaw. Yeah, yeah that's like yeah, the yeah, that's the Achilles heel of Achilles heels. Yeah, we really got fucked on that one. But you know, and I, I think obviously these, you know, a lot of these factors like came together in the sense that like obviously in addition to Edward's violent death by his own hands, there were also rumors that a cook who had been employed by the Kreischers had also taken his own life in the house and continued to haunt the servants' quarters. Jesus. According to Tina Kazman Dunn of the Tottenville Historical Society, mm. Staten Island is an old community full of history, but everyone is always interested in this house. They always wanted to know if the ghost stories are true. I mean, it just feels like, again, I think I've stated this already, but it just feels like it's the kind of place that was like the perfect recipe. Yep. You know, rich, falling, the, 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 a Victorian house Freud. on the top of a hill. Yeah. One twin With Victorian houses, one burned to the ground. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty spooky. So the house itself has a ghost twin that's dead. <laughs> I can't. It's rife. Yeah. It's fucking rife. I fucking can't. It's ripe and rife with rumors. I'm scared of it. And again, as you know, uh, what is it? What is it? Legends. Myth turns to legends. Legends turns to myth. Mm -hmm. Full Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, this place was always kind of, I think, and again, because it's on a hill, it was never, you know, it was never integrated into society, into the neighborhood in any meaningful way other than oh, yeah. at one point it was a restaurant, which I mean. Weird. <laughs> I love the, <laughs> I love the like, the this is the very the like Casperness. Yeah, like, hey, let's turn it into a diner, you know? Yeah. Welcome the whole neighborhood here as long oh, as they pay to come in God. and eat our Christ. shitty food and then get like ghost scratched. Kreischer's Wiener Schnitzel in <laughs> Emporium or something. I don't know. Kreischer's Wiener Schnitzel house. Oh, my God. So we're going all the way to the year 2000s. That's how that's how long like again. What a jump. Just it's not in use like at all. No. Again, except for the one time it was a restaurant. 
In the early 2000s, a real estate developer from Ohio named Isaac Yomataven Yomataven, purchased the mansion. He, and it's interesting because it it almost is like it takes an outsider to come in and be like, hey, this this place is interesting. Yeah, like there's some historical value in that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is funny though, because he was like, I want to restore it because it's historical, but I want to turn it into a fancy retirement home. Okay. Let's take this haunted Victorian house, put slaps of paint on it, and then stick a bunch of people near death in it. What could go wrong? It's kind of like a factory and... system, you know, like a, you know, it's just like a, it's just the the Ford model, like assembly line. Oh yeah, line. an assembly line to yeah, make yeah. more ghosts. It's a ghost assembly line. Yeah. Okay, cool. What could, I'm terrified of this. Okay, no continue. notes. It's but like I love how, it. It's like how legend has it that like children and the elderly are the most connected to the spirit to the world other because side. they're the closest <laughs> at the beginning and end of your life. A spooky bell curve. Right? Like let's yeah, hack totally. them all into a fucking haunted house. Just see what happens. Let's put a daycare in there too. Like oh, that's yeah. how you open a B&B. My God. <laughs> it has to be haunted. Yeah. I also really like this story because this historical aspect of it and trying to restore things, there's like a sense of, he's like, oh, I want to restore it to its former glory, but also make money, make it a retirement home. But also I'm not going to actually move there and do anything about it. I'm going to hire other people to take care of it, which again, it just, (laughs) there's a lot of metaphors. a lot of Zillow vibes to it. Yeah, yeah. We're we're monetizing the hauntings Mm -hmm. here. Yes. Capitalism, baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Even the dead can't escape it. And it, yeah, exactly. Even in death, death capitalism. <laughs> it's funny because I watched, I actually watched some interviews with him on YouTube and he seems kind of innocent in a way or like he, right. or he's acting very like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that kind of thing could happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because in 2005, the caretaker living in, on the Chrysler Mansion estate was a 27 year old man named Joseph Young. And so Yoma Taven had known, he had known very little about Young when he hired him. Other than that, he was a former Marine when, in fact, the actual, he would only know, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a Marine, but he'd actually only served a few months before he went AWOL and then he was dishonorably discharged. Oh, okay. shit. Okay. So this, so this guy, guy was just sketchy. like, no, yeah, they're like, he's not going to do a background check. I mean, I'm assuming maybe if you're applying to be a caretaker on a haunted at a haunted mansion, they're yeah. probably not going to do a background check. Yeah, they're how like, deep are we really going to go? You want the job? You got it. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> so you're volunteering yeah. for this position, you're fucking hired. Yep. And, 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 you know, also a little bit of a precursor to almost where we are now with like housing market in the sense that like there's more need for like, because essentially his job, Young's only job was to basically be like, Hey, just prevent like teenagers from breaking in and having sex and yeah. trying to find ghosts. Like, right. you know, people trying to break in and, you know, Fuck just with this house. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so, I mean, that also has, you know, become something very big now where people, you know, rich people are buying property just to like have it as, mm-hmm. so there is more of a need for, for people like this, but you know, it turned out to be not a, very good for Yomatavian. Oh, no. So what Yomatavian could not have guessed was that Joseph Young was a low-level associate of the infamous Banano. Banano? Oh, no. I should probably pronounce their name because they're a crime family. The Banano? Oh, yeah. The Banano? Bananas. Bananas. Banano. Let's go with bananas. Banano. Bananas. He was a low-level associate of the infamous Banano crime family, a fact that would soon add a new chapter to this mansion's grisly history. 
Ooh. <laughs> Lightning okay, strike. drama. Fucking cripes. Yikes. So, All right. So a fact about Young that is worth mentioning is that Young is a black man. And it actually, apparently, according to just, I guess, Italian mob history, mm-hmm. that it's very rare for Italian mob people to hire black right. men. Mm-hmm. And so Young had become connected with the family after taking the job as a bouncer at a Staten Island restaurant where he met a mobster named Gino Galestro. God which bless. Is, that's a great name. Gino, eh, Gino Un- Galestro. Uncle Gino. Uncle Gino. Mm-hmm. I got Galestro. <laughs> you got Galestro. <laughs> issues. I have high cholesterol. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that a uh, gabagool. Okay, sorry, guys. Um, so, but Galestro actually started out as a New York Post and Daily News driver. Oh, my God. He was a rag salesman. And then he became an official of the driver's union for the newspapers. All right. But Young began completing assignments for the family in exchange for cash payments, such as transporting guns with scratched off serial numbers, which I guess is a thing, Mm -hmm. from Pennsylvania to New York. So it's like a hustler's hustler Mm -hmm. is, and I can see the, you know, that appeal of like, oh, all I have to do is make sure nobody breaks into this house. This is like. And I got a paycheck. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Paid in cash. Every haunted house movie starts basically this exact way. Yeah. It's an empty house sitting around all day. Mm Mm-hmm. In 2005, the Bonanno family found themselves in need of a disappearing. I, I have to say it in that voice. It's yeah, just, you, you can't help it. One of their associates named Robert McKelvey failed to pay the debt that he owed the family. So basically, they're like, okay, we need to, you know, we need to disappear this guy. Mm-hmm. And they, I think, you know, because Young was hustling for Galestro, probably, uh, you know, just saw him... You know, they basically just like, this is a good opportunity. He seems like our guy because he also has a quiet, secluded place where he can disappear people. Yep. And McKelvey was lured to the mansion under the pretense of a top secret mob meeting, which Uh I just love that it's like, so (laughs) we got a top secret mob meeting. You know, it's like, I think if somebody's saying we have a top secret mob meeting, that's like, that's red uh, flag number one. Yes. When, and yeah, then if, you get to the location of the meeting, and it is an abandoned Victorian mansion in Staten Island. I, Red flag number two. I feel like yeah. Two, I feel like if four. you're if you're yeah. in New York, I mean, I don't know anything. I don't like about New York City or life or anything. But I feel like if somebody who you work for normally in New York City and you live in New York City is like, hey, can you come meet me? Not in New York City. That They're feels like that feels like if you have to go over the freeway. If you're going to Jersey, yeah. like. That hey, seems Steven, like, can you meet me in San Francisco? Real oh, quick? sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, well, just head I mean, up there. even more jokingly, but it's like how Minneapolis and St. Paul, it's the Twin Cities, but we have a rivalry and we're only like 10 minutes apart. Like there are parts of Minneapolis that are like literally five, five minutes away from St. Paul. I live really close to St. Paul, but still, I'm not fucking going to St. Paul. Oh, St. Wow. Paul's stupid. I'm not going. I'm not going to Staten Island. You're I'm not, not going to make St. me Paul. go. You're not going to make me go to St. Paul. I'm not I, doing I, it. I'm only going in a box. It's like, hey, funny yeah, you should say that. The only way you're getting me to St. Paul is in a box. <laughs> but also, if anyone lays me to rest in St. Paul, I will fucking make <laughs> the rest of your life miserable. Oh, yeah, you're going to haunt the fuck out of that Absolutely. I'm, I'm not having it. So 
McKelvey arrives at this mansion, you know, thinking it's a secret mob meeting. Maybe there's some, you know, some hors d'oeuvres, whatever. Some refreshments, yeah. He's greeted by young and three some accomplices. Carrots. Baby carrots. Some oh, ba- yeah, lots of baby carrots. Instead of, you know, this great meeting and baby carrots, he was greeted by young and three accomplices. Mm. And essentially, so, you know, the research goes into details that according to our sources, McKelvey's murder was an awkward and drawn out affair, which is, I never want to hear a murder being called awkward and drawn out. No, that sounds awful. Awkward. God. Um, Of course it's awkward. So young, you know, again, I feel like this guy, you know, it's that thing that like, I just think of like Goodfellas where you're just young and hungry and you're going to prove yourself. So he first attempted to stab McKelvey to death. Mm -hmm. When this fails, he tried to strangle him before ultimately drowning him in an ornamental pool surrounded by flower beds, elaborate brickwork, and 1.3 acres of manicured lawn. Oh my God. It is really hard to kill someone with your bare hands, though. It It is. is. And what an idyllic place to scene to meet your maker. I could see like a Scorsese movie where it's like, it's all handheld camera work, awkward, but then it just cuts to a wide. It's a beautiful manicured lawn. There's this little brick fountain pool thing. And it's just holding on the angle as the, you know, as McKelvey's being like held under the water. By like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a close up of the guy's face and then that's it. Yeah. I think the most disturbing part is that he attempted to stab him to death and, and that failed. didn't work. Yeah. That just brings to mind. Yeah, it's it's creepy. It's creepy. Well, it's also, what great. were the other three guys doing? Right? His like, associates. Help out. Yeah, you're doing a pretty good job over there. You uh, know, like, hello? hey, first, try stabbing him under the arm, you know? Doing all anyway. the work here. Yeah, it's fucking fuck. Throwing, throwing young right under the bus. Also, just like find an artery. Jesus Christ, get what, it over like it's with. Hard? Honestly, well, well, you got two, you got two temples. You got a bunch of shit here. How was this not going to work? Again, young. I think, I think young was probably somebody who wanted to prove himself because it doesn't seem like, according to any of this research, that he had other experience. It was almost like. This is the first thing that maybe could have elevated his mob career a little he bit higher. He wimped out. He wimped mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it. And it actually ended up worse for him because he had to kill this person in three to four different ways. Yes. Yeah. Good well, job. Not great. And well, and then on top of that, um, you, he used the property, of course, to saw the body into several pieces. And then he used the mansion, the mansion's furnace to get rid of the body. So- what a it's, fucking it's not like, idiot. So at Ooh. this point, the the man, you know, the Chrysler Mansion is no longer just like a place where it happened. It's like now it's part of it. You yeah. know, like I wonder if the ghosts were like, what the, like, like how many, sir. how many, how many haunted places get new ghosts? It's <laughs> the like ghosts are like, uh, I'm out. Yeah, I yeah. just imagine like a bunch of Vic- old Victorian ghosts just in the corner, just rubbing their temples. Like, oh my god, god this is. And then this, this guy shows up with like um with like a, a Bluetooth earpiece and everything, and like you know, like cargo shorts. Like, oh shit, oh. I'm not even from Staten Island. God, okay. <laughs> No. The ghosts are like, what have I done to deserve this? So, question for you both. Okay. How much do you think Young was paid for this hit? Well, this because is, you asked. It's, it's 2005, be, so $2,005. It's going to be 
a, a ridiculously low amount of money. I mean, murder. my guess, just judging by his level of expertise, $25. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to say a little like, higher. What, 10 grand to kill someone? Not even that. I don't think. It would, late, it would later be revealed that Young had carried out this crime on the orders of Gino Galestro in exchange for $8,000. Jesus hey, fucking Christ. That was rule. close. Yeah, that was close. That was Price good. Price right rule. But that is really fucking sad and also at the time that this is going down again which is like i don't know i have to say this never join the mob right <laughs> i just have just, to tell reminder, your listeners the whining crime listeners yeah like oh, should i get into forensics or become yep. in the mob you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. classic sophie's choice yes yep so galestra at this time at this that the sit was going down was about to be sentenced for a loan sharking conspiracy so it actually took some time before they could piece all this together of like who hired him, who all this stuff. Cause like, again, your entire, the entire ladder of which you're, you know, joining the mob part of is sort of crumbling at this time. Mm-hmm. And it was actually Robert McKelvey's sister that filed the missing persons report several days later. Um, and they were able to find Robert McKelvey because he had a tattoo of a bird. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say which bird. Just a bird. <laughs> And sorry, was it a I apologize. Penguin? I just, was it a sparrow? God. And I just and I described him as having cargo shorts. He actually had a black sweatsuit on. So oh, okay. True, true Sopranos fashion. Yeah. You know, also way like better peak, than cargo shorts. Peak yes. two thousand five too. Yes. Like sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. Bluetooth earpiece. Tattoo, I'm just guessing. Bluetooth Samsung maybe. <laughs> yep. And a Samsung Razor flip phone. Oh yes, mm-hmm. of course. Thousand percent. I miss razors. But what's interesting, again, and we brought this up a little bit earlier, it's like the the people, you know, hiring the hit, Gina Galestro and Robert McKelvey, they're all in New York City. So why would they, the police basically didn't know where to look because it was like, why would they, Staten Island's all the way far away. So right. basically the body of uh, McKelvey was undiscovered for months, basically, oh, wow. essentially. And so, according to the New York Times, while Mr. McKelvey had been missing for more than a year at this point, his neighbors had had a few fond memories. And so, his across-the-street neighbor minced no words when she told a reporter, we're not sorry to see him go. Oh, my God. The fondest of memories. Wow. That's rough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's gone, but he was an asshole, so whatever. It's what it's. Good riddance. So it wasn't until over a year after his sister reported him missing that one of the men, one of these accomplices who had been present for the murder, began cooperating with the F- with the FBI as part of another case and revealed the grisly details of what happened at the Kreischer mansion. So, so if I mean, that person hadn't turned. Yeah. Stool pigeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we may never have known. But it that almost, I, I, and again, I don't know anything about the mob. I haven't seen all of the Sopranos, but I feel like isn't the point of having people there to help is to implicate everyone enough that nobody would say anything. Right. I feel like if you just have somebody standing there watching, you just have a witness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are questions. Yeah, if you're part of the mob, please write in. Yeah. Let please us know. Email us. <laughs> email Anonymously, of course. Yeah. And so in response to these revelations, one, you know, one of these three accomplices, I'm sure they were probably helping out with other things, probably the larger yeah. issues. And then they're like, oh, by the way, that McKelvey guy, I watched him get awkwardly and drawn outly killed. <laughs> and his bones are in a furnace at this random Victorian haunted, haunted mansion. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the cops so, are like, um, 
Jusqueuse? Fucking yeah. what? In response to these revelations, FBI agents searched the home and conducted forensic tests searching for traces of McKelvey's blood. And they were able to recover enough evidence to arrest Young and charge him. So, I mean, it, wow. seemed, I, I, it seems pretty open and shut in that sense that, like, yep. yeah, nobody, like, the the sort of convenience of, hey, we have this place that nobody can go to means I doubt there was as much cleanup. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, why is the pond all disrupted? Right, it's right. Like, uh, I don't know, some, uh, like, dogs you and birds got in there. kids. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Teens trying to fuck in the pool, you know, yeah. whatever, in the fountain. <laughs> Youths. Youths. So Young pleaded not guilty, and his lawyer emphasized his lack of a criminal record. His three accomplices, who I'm now naming, John Tufarelli, mm-hmm. Jose Garcia, and uh, Stefan Cisal. Oh, they're all like, you know, French, you know, Spanish, yeah. and, and Italian. I like it. All the romantic languages as accomplices mm-hmm. were also arrested and charged. So I guess maybe, you know, it doesn't say here, it, it, you know, if... Which who who uh, ratted him out or whatever to the right, FBI. and we also don't necessarily know like the sentences for each of these other people. So if one person turned on the rest, they might have gotten a lighter. They might have still been charged yeah. and arrested, yeah, but got like, a lighter sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's like a thing where they do that so that the so it's not like obvious who who mm-hmm. like who, glad you didn't rat them out. Like you know, right. it's like <laughs> you know, just like all sweaty, just like. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and it blows my mind because I, there is a little bit of a timelessness of this story, but they, the, when the case finally went to trial in the fall of 2008, Young admitted to taking part in several other crimes on the orders of the Bonanno crime family, mm-hmm. but in, still insisted that he had not killed McKelvey. Hmm. He also stated that he had taken part in the dismembering and disposing, but had not taken part in the murder. Okay. But I mean, okay. you're just gra- yeah. like, just, just let your lawyer. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I yeah. didn't, I didn't read this part, but this is very exciting. So, at, you know, at this point, McKelvey is again, the insisting or no, not McKelvey. At, at this point, ben- um, young mm-hmm. <laughs> forever young. <laughs> so at this point, young is still insisting that he, again, it's this thing of like, Oh, I'm, if you're circling the drain at some right. point, like, okay, I will, okay, I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, like, I but helped I, I dismember helped, him, But you know? I didn't stab him a bunch of times and then fail and then drown him in the pot. That no. wasn't me. I that helped was, dispose of the body, but I didn't that, murder him. Yeah, that was too Ferelli. That yeah. wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And then One the of the great, other love languages. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm imagining is the greatest day of this prosecutor's life. Oh, God. You know, Young is on the stand, again, trying to say, hey, like, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I I helped, but, you know, I didn't do it. The prosecutor is like, hey, what did you list your occupation as on your MySpace? Oh, no. And then Young, I guess, according to the court records, awkwardly responded, uh, death? No. Yes. My occupation is death? Like, he listed himself essentially as an assassin. On your my on his MySpace. On MySpace. Oh, that's the most like early 2000s shit. Oh, and that's my funny because God. even in, by 2008, MySpace was like on its way out. Like, no, that's my, when, yeah, that's when you were transitioning to Facebook, to Facebook. And yeah. Yeah. 
You're like late incredible. stage terminal MySpace. MySpace at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, MySpace was terminal <laughs> for sure. And, and it was story- transitioning to like only being a music platform, and then that was its like dying, rattling death wheeze, and then it was gone. <laughs> my six MySpace, my my top eight. You know, mm-hmm. Gino, Gino Galestro. <laughs> Death. Um, yeah, Tom. Tom. So yeah, this story John went. Tiferelli. This is the part where the story goes from timeless to immediately dated. Oh no! Young was ultimately found guilty of murder and racketeering and sentenced to life in prison. Mm. Ah, well, bummer. And wouldn't you guess this place wasn't going to become a retirement home after that? Yeah, yeah. What is it now then? <laughs> this does not look like a retirement home. It looks like a spirit Halloween. Oh my well, God. it's funny that you Wet say that. Dream. Basically, <laughs> nothing could, you know, it's it's funny because it was almost like Yomatavian was like, you know, we want to restore the historicalness to this. And right. essentially they did because it became a haunted mansion again, because now you yeah. have this new murder oh, that good. sort of prevented it from becoming anything, you know, it didn't turn into you know, a Jersey Mike's, and then, you know, there's like an AT&T store, <laughs> and then... Jersey Mike subs in this stunning Victorian mansion. Do you a want subway. Toasted? Ooh, no. an Orange Julius, no. you know, like... <laughs> an Orange Julius. I went to an Orange Julius in Hawaii because I was like, there's no more no more of these left. I had to go. Um, <gasps> I have one, like, near my house. Oh, yeah, there's one so in Des Moines if you want to come visit. Come to the Midwest if you miss Orange Julius. Oh, I will, DQ I will. Is, is king out here. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's a big part of DQ now. Mm-hmm. So the the mansion basically just kind of, it, it was almost like this like little gasp before then it was like, all right, cool. We're just going to become another haunted mansion again. Right. Great, great, great. great. But in 2017, the mansion was listed for sale at an asking price of $2 million. What did you that's say it was s- now? Like seven, seven, s- seven and a half or something. Yeah. But $2 million's a steal. It's the fact that nobody snatched that up in 2017 for $2 million bucks, that's nuts. And then kicking themselves now. Yeah. But it didn't sell. And yeah. then he tried to sell it last year for another seven point four million. There you go. Again, just like I don't know what to do, but And what a jump. I mean, from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty one, that's not that much time. And it went from two million dollars to seven and a half million dollars. If that's not a reflection of the fucking housing market, I don't Seriously. know what is. That's fucking Jesus. wild. And so the the last things I've saw, and I saw videos on YouTube that they now do a haunted house experience there. So, you know, <gasps> if, you're, if you're in the area, go take a look at the Kreischer Mansion. It's the biggest reason to go to Long Island. Oh, uh, the only reason. Staten Island. But yeah. 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 Whatever. Staten Island. Island. <laughs> wow. But I'm like, do they incorporate the McKelvey murder? Because I could see. It's like so too like, recent. Yeah. I mean. Oh. But it is part of the history. It like, is. Because, you know, I, I think of like Hollywood Horror Nights or Not Scary Farm here in Southern California, you know, where yeah. you do several types of, you know, you do not your- Not Scary Farm. <laughs> not Scary Farm. You have like, you know, because like last year they did a great Exorcist maze last year. This year they're doing a Jordan Peele like cinematic universe thing. Whoa. Nope. They're doing a, a weekend, like the musicians doing like a haunted house thing. Like wow. I, they're in a way, I feel like this mansion now has sort of an opportunity to sort of diversify their hauntings, where you could have it like <laughs> you could go through the history. So you're like you start in Victorian factory era, and then you end at like you like you go into one room, and it's more and it's of like a, a modern page. Yeah, yeah, with, or a, you end with nope, the big yes, exactly. like pulsating box. Yeah. Ooh. 
Which was Don't actually give it away. It ends in an orange Julius. So scary. Yes. <laughs> in oh, a Jersey yeah. Mike. So yeah, so that is the Kreischer Mansion and the McKelvey murder. Wow. wow. Nicely done. Good job, Thank Steven. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. Well, I'm dancing right now. I really like this voguing that you're doing over here. <laughs> Well, should we take a Vogue break and hear a quick word from our sponsors and then I can finish us up with my case, which is way sadder yes. than <laughs> what you just talked about. So I'm the Kenyan this week. When it comes to therapy and psychiatry, getting the help you need has never been so simple. When you're able to access your provider from the comfort of your device, which is in your pocket, it mm-hmm. means mental health care can be on your own schedule and alleviating those wait times to get an appointment in the first place or the travel time to an office or just the anxiety about all of that Mm -hmm. can free up time for the rest of your life. Talkspace is so convenient and accessible. It helps me feel supported around the clock. Tell us more. It's seriously amazing. Talkspace lets you send messages to your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform, which allows you to update them on challenges and triumphs that you're facing in real time, which for me is a game changer. Like, I have ADHD. If it's not right in front of my face, it no longer exists to me. So I don't remember what I went through a week ago. No. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) This way, you don't have to wait for your next session. And with Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist, and they hold you accountable and make sure that you're really progressing. Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and it can just be a guiding light. It's amazing. I can't recommend it highly enough. Always, always shout out to Emily, my Talkspace therapist. She's so awesome and just like, having access to that network. So Emily is one of thousands of Talkspace's licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties. So I reached out to her initially because I was experiencing issues with relationships, which they also, you know, very much help with, as well as like my depression, my anxiety, um, ADHD. They also offer support for substance abuse, trauma, anger management, food and eating, so much more. If you're dealing with it, you could find a therapist for it. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash gals to get $100 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's Talkspace.com slash gals and treat your brain. Treat it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't super get it. With the topic. When do I ever? <laughs> you misunderstood I like, the assignment. Well, I was like, am I supposed to do crimes that take place in autumn? Am I supposed to do crimes that are like autumn adjacent? I don't know. So I guess like Stephen's case was autumn adjacent, like a haunted house. So I think my thing still fits. Yeah. My case, what we know about it takes place not in autumn, but it does take place in an apple orchard. And that felt Ooh. autumnal to me. Perfect. Yeah. So that's the connection. Take it or leave it. Here we go. I'm taking it. Okay. Orchard Creek Ranch is outside of Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and it's absolutely stunning. It is nestled in the valleys of the Rockies. So like in the fall, the orchard is in like full bloom with all of these apples and it's very green and lush, but then the leaves are starting to turn on the mountains behind oh, it. Like it's very- Golden Hills. Yes. It's mm. very, very, very beautiful. Nice. 
The ranch offers apple picking and horseback rides. It's like a perfect family spat. But in June of 2009, the orchard was not the backdrop of an idyllic, you know, family summer day, but an incredibly grisly scene. On June 12th, a ranch hand was cleaning up refuse along the outer edge of the property, which was adjacent to Creek Canyon Road and like just a little bit off of not a major highway, but like a pretty big county road that ran by. So they often would just like do a skirt the perimeter and pick up trash. While he was doing that, he stumbled upon what appeared to be bagged garbage. Uh, it's never bagged nope. garbage. It's never bagged garbage, <laughs> and it's never a mannequin, as no. we've learned. If there's a one thing that My Favorite Murder has taught us, it's that it's never a mannequin. No. <laughs> as he approached and went to, like, pick up the bags, which were partially and, like, very obviously intentionally covered with tree branches, he quickly realized that what was contained within these bags was not garbage. So authorities were called, and the bags were discovered to contain human remains so mutilated that the coroner couldn't even determine a cause of death. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And the remains were not complete. I'm not sure what's missing from the remains. And just spoiler alert, this case remains unsolved. So I don't think they've ever released what's missing on the off chance that they do get a lead or like, and then and an individual who would know like, what remains. Oh, I saw a right yeah. leg right. in or the I woods. Kept, uh, maybe I kept, you know, maybe someone kept a portion as a trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we've talked about this a million times, how par- like a tactic in investigations is to release partial details and then see if there are, are suspects who can fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what portion of this person's remains were discovered and what are missing. Wow. So. Can't answer that question. It would take about a week to positively identify the remains as 38-year-old Janine Ann Joller, and she was able to be identified by her fingerprints because she had been in the system for previous charges. Janine lived in Aurora, Colorado, which was about three hours away from the orchard, so like not a convenient dump site if you're killed near Aurora, Colorado. She moved slash was moved. Right. By all accounts, she had a loving family and upbringing, but she did face some serious adversity that changed the trajectory of her life. At the age of 15, she was in a serious car accident that left her permanently disabled, both physically and cognitively. So she needed to use a cane. She walked with a limp. She couldn't drive, but she was able to live independently. So she did have some like cognitive deficits, but she was able to be independent. As a result of her disability, she struggled to finish school. And by the early 2000s, she was consistently using drugs and alcohol and had developed a substance use disorder. To fund her substance use, she engaged in sex work. So a lot of lot of dangerous and high risk behavior happening here. Was this all related to her prior charges? Not that it matters, but her death? No, all of these behaviors, the alcohol use, the sex work, all this stuff. Like, so is that why she was in the system? Yes, she was in this. That's how they were able to find her in the system, because she did have previous drug and sex work related charges. Okay. Of the remains that were found, at least one of her hands, which is so horrifying to think about, but was in the bags and they could run the fingerprints and identify her. Mm hmm. She also had a boyfriend, but their relationship was tumultuous at best. They were on again, off again, constantly. And he had an explosive temper that led to physical violence. 
So Janine ended up filing a restraining order against him and seemed to be moving in a much healthier direction without this awful man in her life. She started attending AA meetings. So like she was getting into recovery. She was reconnecting with her family and specifically with her mother. She was calling to check in with her mother, Sue, every single day. So her mom was hearing from her all the time. Part of her progress, part of her recovery. So this was like the most hopeful that Sue and the family had been in a long time when it came to Janine. And that made the news of her violent death all the more earth shattering for this family. The last anyone had heard from Janine had been in May of 2009. She had been keeping up with her check-ins with her mother, Sue, but was experiencing a pretty severe mental health crisis. And I, it's believed that she was using again, which could have contributed to the escalation of her crisis. This crisis resulted in Janine's hospitalization, but she was not keen on being there. She did not want to stay. She was like talking to her mom. Sue is begging her to stay in the hospital. But Janine's an adult. She didn't want to stay. Yeah. And after she stayed there one night and then left and like hadn't told Sue that she was leaving. Sue called the hospital because she hadn't heard from her daughter. And the hospital was like, oh, she checked herself out. So Janine's gone. Sue doesn't know where she is. As I said before, Janine didn't drive. So someone had picked her up and brought her to her apartment. The, the hospital didn't know who she's an adult. She didn't need like a bunch of continuing care. So it's not really, you know, I saw some comments on some articles that were like, why was, why wouldn't the hospital know like who is picking her up? It's like, this is a 38 year old woman with the majority of her faculties. She's able to be independent. It's not I, something that needs to be tracked. Typically. No. And it wouldn't be like, how many times yeah, have I, I been in the hospital for a couple days? And then like, Bill can't pick me up, so Scott comes and picks me up. Like, mm -hmm. nobody gives a fuck who's picking you up from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Once you're discharged, they don't fucking care about you anymore. Yeah, like, once you leave those doors, they're not looking out there. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. So there were, some, uh, there were some folks who I could see in the comments, and understandably so, like, getting frustrated at the lack of information. But it's like, this is an adult woman who is not, the details of her life aren't being tracked. Yeah, put yourself in that position. Exactly. <laughs> Does there the wasn't a parental permission track? slip, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. She didn't need to be signed out. She mm -hmm. was able to leave of her own accord. Mm -hmm. So someone picked her up from the hospital, we don't know who, and brought her back to her apartment. Her neighbors confirmed that Janine had returned home. They saw, like, people saw her, but that at least one person said that she left again in the middle of the night and that this was the last time anyone had seen her alive. So like I said, Janine didn't drive. So someone had to have come and picked her up from her apartment in the middle of the night. Or maybe she could have taken some kind of public transportation. But I think a witness said, like, someone was outside smoking, saw Janine. She gets in a car with somebody. Nobody knows who it is. She's a fucking adult. Mm -hmm. She goes on her way. People are minding their own business. So we have no idea who brought her home from the hospital. And we have no idea who picked her up at her apartment later that night. Could be the same person. Could be different people. And she also could have, I mean, she was in crisis. She was likely using again. She could have been engaging in sex work again. It could have been a John that came to meet her. She like, she could have been selling sex and a John came to pick her up. They went off and nobody saw her again. Mm -hmm. That was May 1st of 2009. And after six days went by without any word from Janine, who previously had been like calling her mom every day. A missing persons report was filed on May 7th. Investigators immediately started looking into her boyfriend because, you know, she'd had a restraining order on the record. There was other police intervention on the record due to their incidents of domestic violence, like neighbors calling the cops, things like that. 
So this is like a natural first step. They're like, what the fuck did you did you come and do something to her? Well, they always look at the significant other anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. But... Absolutely. However, the boyfriend could not have been the one to pick up Janine either from the hospital or from her apartment on the night that she disappeared because he was in jail at that time. Oh. oh. For, I'm not sure what he had done, but he wasn't in prison. He was in jail. He probably got picked up on some stupid charges and he was held for a couple days. But there's but like he, solid alibi. He yep. was in custody. Correct. He was in custody. This could it could not have been him. Yeah, that's uh, weirdly the most solid alibi you can have almost, know, you know, other like, than being God. on being on live television or something. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Fucking that movie Long Shot. So, always comes to mind love like someone that movie. on camera but also sometimes people are scheduled to be in jail or prison for a certain length of time and then they're released early and like true yeah there are a, a lot of instances that i can think of that they're like oh we thought he was in jail but he actually wasn't sure Ooh. but this was we confirmed he okay. was in jail this alibi is solid he is no longer a person of interest i do love the long shot though I know, that movie's so Unbelievable. So the big challenge here was a complete lack of evidence and an abundance of possible suspects as Janine was a sex worker and had frequent bouts with drugs. This put her in proximity to a lot of high-risk people, specifically men, like all the time. So investigators interviewed a fuck ton of people, like all of Janine's friends and family, local known Johns in the Aurora area, even like transient unhoused individuals who may have seen or interacted or maybe used with Janine in the last like month before her disappearance. But no matter how many stones were turned over, nothing seemed to be revealed. Oh, I know. Investigators also had a severe lack of evidence in like any capacity because they didn't find any fingerprints on the bags that were wrapped around Janine's remains. No DNA on the body that could be linked to a suspect. It was just her DNA. So this person, whoever dismembered her was very careful. They didn't find hair. And this is like 2009. It's not like this is the 60s yeah. and we don't know what we're looking for. It's like they know how to look for DNA. Mm -hmm. There's nothing under her fingernails. Like they can't, they're not pulling anything useful yeah. at least. Oh. Furthermore, the orchard where her remains were found was determined not to have been the murder site because there was like no blood or anything there to indicate that she had been killed anywhere on the property. It was just the bags were found. So it was only a dump site for her remains, meaning there's no additional blood, there's no additional DNA, there's no like a cigarette butt that maybe could be traced to somebody. Like No maroon there, fibers. No maroon fibers. There's no solid evidence that could be collected at the orchard. Okay. So Thomas Williams, a local who lived near the orchard, said, quote, it looked to me like somebody pulled up to the road going up Canyon Creek and just threw the bags off on the side of the road and it ended up in the orchard. So most likely Janine was killed in the Denver metro area when where she often sold sex. The case went completely cold within a handful of months. Oh, God. Yeah, really fucking tragic. Years later, in 2014, the investigations division at the Garfield County Sheriff's Office found itself with a mostly new team. So people had retired. New people are working there. Investigator Megan Allsat and a commander reread the entire case file, audited the evidence, re-interviewed people that had been spoken to in 2009. But no, po like any possible leads that they investigated all went to the same dead ends. Like reviewing all of the former evidence didn't fucking show anything. Dang. It's well, still a completely like ghost situation. 
Well, you mentioned that idea of like that whoever th- threw her body off. But in my head, I'm like, I, like, you know, maybe it's just because of the theme, but like this idea of like an apple orchard seems like a pretty, like, I mean, my first head is like, was it somebody who used to work there or somebody who had right. been there it's once weird. and was like, and it's oh, I remember this place. Away. It's very isolated. Yeah. So like my head immediately went to there and I don't know if it mm-hmm. again, it's just how we framed it, but it just was like, you know, I just think of like, if you're going to dump a body anywhere, you could dump it anywhere, but to it's just like, yeah, was there somebody who maybe worked there once or had been there yeah, once? Yeah, is there so, a connection? Know. And also, it's not like this is a super remote place. Like, this is a tourist, uh, not, you know, maybe not like a booming tourist attraction, but it's a fucking idyllic apple orchard in, like, the valleys of the Rockies where, like, yeah. families go to ride horses and pick fucking apples. It's not, it's not like a, a creepy abandoned farm in the middle of nowhere. It's almost like they wanted the remains to be found. It's like a destination almost. Yeah, and, and also and so and because as Steven said, it was so fucking far away from where it's far she away. It's three hours started. Where she's picked up. It, it's like too specific and not specific enough. Yeah, yes, it's weird. It makes no fucking sense. It's really weird. And then like, you know, the one of the big main theories is you know a John picked her up, solicited sex from her. There was an altercation that ended in her death, her murder, and then this was how they disposed of the evidence. But, like, what? I don't know. Usually if it's, like, a sloppy kind of in-the-moment spontaneous spontaneous rando who was just trying to buy sex on this, like, from a sex worker, to be this meticulous and this careful to not leave a shred Yeah, that's a great, yeah. Of identifiable evidence or DNA And take her three hours away And take her three hours away, like it 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 feels more targeted than that, and the, yeah. the dismemberment and the fact that remains are missing, mm-hmm. like enough Saved. remains for yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know. We don't know where they are, but well, like they enough, might have been. Sa- they might have been reserved. enough remains. Enough remains are missing for it to have been newsworthy in every article I read to say that she was not found like complete. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that there's. It's not like a fragment here or there are missing. And yeah. that tells me that there's like half at least everything but this. Yeah. That, saved. Right. Like yeah. maybe I'm just really fucked up and I've been in this business too long. But that tells me that someone kept like a foot or a Their head or like something. The head was my first thought. Right. Something I wonder like- if they looked at other orchards. I mean, that sounds weird to say that. But like, yeah, if it's targeted enough, then maybe it is like, let's leave one here. Right, and then where? But then where do we look? It's like okay, this woman was picked up from her apartment in Aurora, and now her remains showed up. You know, weeks later, three hours away. Where the? How the fuck do we even like set up a perimeter or a grid? But like, even start looking. Like, where do we go? In terms of like the orchard thing, like what Steven said. uh, Imagine like another plot of land that is as literally picked over as an orchard. Yeah, that's a good point. It kind of seems like maybe the murderer wanted her to be found because that's what I think. You're gonna go to every tossed- single tree on this whole property. It's like a, yes. it's like a, uh, it's like a cornfield, like a some yep. sort of crop field. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's literally you buy tickets to get a bucket to go fill it with fucking apples, mm-hmm. and 
you anyone to get close to the ground and look for things. Right. Anyone yeah. could have stumbled upon those bags of remains. I mean, thank God it was an employee, I guess. But if like, you, fuck. If you really don't want someone to be found, it's gonna be You're like gonna... a a a dump or right. like a just forest, you know, like yeah, you're wild not gonna, like, area. It's not going to be tilled them. Yeah. Cult- cultured but, areas. Yeah. But it could speak to the sort of you know, maybe the more randomness of it where maybe it is just coincidence and all these things where some, you know, a John accidentally murdered her or, you know, in rage or in passion. And then it's just like, just fuck, I'll drive. And then yeah. just threw it and without thinking. And that's and, because, again, because an orchard would seem like the worst place to put somebody. And doesn't mean maybe, he knew that's where he was throwing her. True. Obviously, yeah. we're yeah. we're just speculating wildly at this point because there are this case is completely cold. We have no idea. But yeah. another thought I had is like, okay, this person was visiting the Denver area. They purchased sex from Janine. Something went wrong. This person killed her, and then, like, maybe on their way out of town. Well, they, yeah. To your point, I mean, Denver is a highly Visited, a, you know, the airport is, and I was, I mean, I've only been to Denver a couple of times, but it is, does seem like a place where if you live in Denver, you are, you actually are driving to all those other cities, Aurora mm-hmm. or Boulder, like, yeah, be, because of the way the state is, it's like, you kind of go to, like, it isn't that out of question to like, do those drives. Either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all, all of that speculation to say like, this is truly one of those needle in a haystack cases which are my least fucking favorite it's so fucking sad i just hate it and garfield county authorities keep telling sue and the family that like janine's case is solvable but now it's been over 13 years and no progress has been made so her remains this part is so fucking sad as i mentioned before all of which were not recovered are still in police custody which means that poor Sue and Janine's family have not had a proper burial for their loved one. So her mother hopes one day she'll get the remains back and be able to give her daughter a final resting place. She said in an interview, quote, I'd like to have a headstone and a place to go pay our respects. Let her know that she is still remembered and loved. And like to this day, she's driving like she lives in the Denver area and she's driving three hours basically when she misses her daughter to visit this orchard where her daughter's remains were left because it's the only like place of memorial that she has right now and has had for 13 years to like commune with, with her daughter, which just fucking broke my heart. Yes. In such a violent and horrific way. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just, I can't even imagine that level of grief that this woman must be going through. No. So this is really fucking sad. It's not wrapped up in a neat little bow, but I just have, I want this I want this case to be solved so badly and I'm not saying that like talking about it on this podcast will do that but I just wanted to share it because if you're listening to this and like maybe had seen her or saw something or someone you know saw something like it's that whole idea that like someone knows something mm-hmm. you know and like if you were in the Aurora area around 2009 and you might have seen something like come forward some of the details that were in the kind of FBI flyer is that Janine had pretty identifiable tattoos. She had a tattoo on her right shoulder of a lion face, a tattoo on her left shoulder of a tiger face, a tattoo on both hips of roses. She had a scar on her abdomen. Like she was a fairly identifiable person. She's she's a white woman. She was blonde. There will be photos of her on the drive. But if for some reason, you know, somebody gets drunk at a family function and says something 
weird about this case. Like, who knows? It, it, things that could seem like nothing can sometimes be something. So if, if you have any information, call the Garfield County Sheriff's Office investigator, Megan Astat, Allstat, excuse me. She's still working there, still working this case. And the phone number is 970-665-0222. And we'll put that on the blog as well. You can also just call the Garfield County Crime Stoppers line at 970-945-0101. And that is my very sad, not at all cool haunted house, unsolved, tragic apple orchard case. Well, you got the sorry guys. Or- orchard was on the nose, but I really uh, crushed it with that apple orchard. <laughs> you really though. crushed it with the orchard. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still thinking about her her cane though. I mean, have they located that? Have I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just again. Speaking, I know, right? Just, like, where the fuck is it? Because, because yeah, I I know I have friends who use canes, and it's like they would never leave home without it. They, right. you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's whatever it is going on with. Cl- it might be a good clue as to like where she was last alive and walking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Or if it's still in possession, know. you know, maybe the person still has it, you mm-hmm. know, which is very unsettling. Ugh. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I mean, and I didn't see anything in my research about whether or not it was left behind. The only reason I could fathom her leaving the cane behind. And I don't know the extent of her mobility without the cane. But the only thing I could fathom is that, like, if she was meeting a John in the parking lot, just had to get to his car, then go, you know, do work and then be dropped back off and then just have to walk back inside. I could see her leaving it at home, but I, I don't know. And and again, the fact that that detail, like they made it clear that she used a cane, but then didn't say whether or not the cane has been recovered or where the cane sure. is. It's one of those police details. Yeah. It makes you wonder right. if yeah. it is one of those details that they're withholding on the off chance that it could become evidence. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you found a cane? What color is it? Right, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I, typically I don't like to cover these unsolved cases because there are so many unknowns. But I just really hope and pray that this this family gets some answers because I, I mean, that's the worst part is the not knowing. Yes, absolutely. So God bless. And special thanks to Lily Cox for sending us down this fallen trail. (laughs) I don't know. I tried. This autumnal rabbit hole. This autumnal rabbit. This this rabbit's den. Well, thank you, Lily. And also thank you to Stephen Ray Morris for joining us tonight. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This was Uh, such a, Thank you so much for having me. This was I'm glad I could hold down Kenyon Stead a little bit. Yeah, uh, amazing. For, for for at least one of the one of the weeks that uh, you know. Yeah, for, uh, for her body's being. you know having a baby, whatever. You right, know. right, God. no big deal. Tell the people where they can find your work. We can always find me at Stephen Ray Morris and all the things. Obviously, the Percast and see Jurassic right, my favorite murder. You know mm, exactly yeah, right, whatever, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. He's Love pretty it. easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Etern- yeah. Eternally and- online. <laughs> Infernally <laughs> online. Same. Same. And thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!